0: We are, um, we're in a series on the book of Exodus, and we began it last, last week. Uh, one of the things we're, we're, we're trying to look at through the series is the language of salvation. Um, we talked about last week how language can be tricky, and uh, over time we can sort of lose a sense of what, what a word might mean um, and its significance. And so part of our effort is to, to let Exodus remind us of what these words that... That describe spiritual reality, what they really mean. So words like judgment, words like salvation, words like sin, words like grace. Um, these words help us articulate and know what is spiritual reality. Um, and, and today we're thinking uh, again about salvation. And, and uh, the, the main idea is that salvation here is personal. Salvation is personal. Um, It moves us from bondage to freedom, Uh, and and as we learned last week, it's not just freedom to do whatever you want, it's freedom to worship, Um, and and that salvation is also personal. Now, uh, when you hear the word personal, sometimes we tend to think of personal uh, as as something sort of entirely about me, Uh, so it's like personal preference, it's kind of my personal preference Uh, sometimes we can, we can say, and I, actually, if you follow, uh, college sports at all, if, if you don't, it's really okay, but, um, uh, there, there's a lot of talk about things being made personal this week, these, these grudges, you know, you don't need to follow college sports to know that expression, you know, uh, it suddenly became personal, right? Somebody offended me in such a way, uh, it became personal. Um, the scriptures speak of salvation, um, that is personal, but what we don't mean is something that's just all about you. It's something more like salvation is personal, personal meaning it's intimate. Uh, you can think of it as, as a proximity. Uh, salvation comes close to you, um, and therefore salvation involves all of you. It changes all of you. Uh, now, as I say, we struggle with this um, because I, I think one of two ways. Some of you are here, and salvation is, is distant for you. It's sort of an idea that sort of floats um, far away. Um, or you might struggle with this idea that salvation is personal because you kind of can't prevent it from ha- like just following into the, the hands of your individualism. Uh, so how can I speak about God saving me in such a way that doesn't just sort of feel like it's narrowing God, um, but instead deepens your love for God and, and his love for you? So, so it's an important question. Um, because we all need to know this personal, intimate salvation. We need to know that we're loved to the depths of who we are, but in a way that doesn't just leave us there and cause us to sort of become more self-involved. Um, it's something that draws us further into who God is. So salvation is personal today. And just, just three ways to think about how it's personal um, and how to get at it. Uh, there's an invitation here in this passage. There's knowledge and then there's worship. Invitation, knowledge, and worship. So, uh, so the invitations should be fairly obvious. It comes right away at the beginning of chapter 3. Um, Moses is, if you're following Moses' story, he uh, kills a guy and uh, he gets found out. And then he tries to help some of his, Israel, his fellow Israelites. And they say, we don't really want your help. Um, ultimately, he's cast out of his home in Egypt And and he's living, um, he's living elsewhere. He's living away from his home. And in this passage, we find him probably not where he dreamed he would end up being. Uh, He's in exile, as I say. He's he's gone from the riches of a life with Pharaoh to now he's a shepherd of a flock that's actually not his own. Uh, And the text tells us that he's he's uh, he's in the wilderness. Uh, The NIV has it. He's in the far side of the wilderness. Uh, he's in the far side of a wilderness. Do, uh, I wonder, does anybody here know know anything about that place? Have you been to a far side of a wilderness? You're not just in a wilderness; you're on the far side of it. That's uh, that's where Moses is is located. And, and but but like the the pattern we saw last week, um, this is actually where just where God meets us. Uh, he meets us in weakness. He meets meets us at the edges of our lives. And, and it's here, on the far side of this wilderness, that God appears to Moses in a burning bush. Uh, it's a familiar story. Um, what exactly is a burning bush? Uh, what's happening there? Uh, it's, sort of, it's sort of a curiosity, right, that gets presented to Moses. Um, it's a bush that is being, It's at the same time it's burning and yet it's not being consumed. Um, and, and for, a, for the far side of a wilderness, that's even more sort of stunning because a bush would be the, probably the very first thing, like a, a dry, it would be the first thing that would be consumed by a fire. Uh, and yet it's not. Uh, it seems to be resilient. And the, the burning bush then call, uh, it calls Moses' attention uh, because it sort of disrupts uh, Moses' idea of how things should work in the world. Um, Moses turns aside to investigate. So, so think about this in your own life. Um, what are burning bushes in your own life? Uh, now, you can get a little bit out of control with this. And, and if you, I, the goal here is I do not want you to leave thinking about, like, trying to just mine your life for burning bushes. But, but, but they are there. Um, what are they? Um, anywhere in your life where the system of life and how you think it should operate, it, it, it's not doing its job. Uh, it, it's it's a place where what you expect, what you've worked for, what your what your worldview tells you should happen, actually isn't happening, uh, the way it should work. Uh, so I'll just give you a few examples that that may that may help you think about burning bushes in your own life. Um, it, you you've worked hard for years, and yet you find yourself in a job that you are really unhappy with. Uh, This is not the way life is supposed to work. I work hard and somehow or other I'm rewarded for that. Um, Perhaps uh, a burning bush in your life might be there's a person at school or at work that you you have been working hard to get their attention and perhaps their affection. And when you receive it, it actually doesn't turn out to be all that great. What you've been longing for isn't all that satisfying. Um, maybe uh, a recent burning bush for me was for for no reason whatsoever. You can't sleep. Uh, life does not operate according to its rules. Uh, perhaps um, you find that your faith, uh, your your life here at, at church is actually offering you no no sense of peace, no sense of the nearness of God. You're here, you're participating, and yet God feels distant. Uh, burning bushes can also, by the way, be I think positive. You. You may be sort of captivated by the beauty of something that you've driven by or walked by every day for ten years, and suddenly it strikes you as just wonderfully brilliant and beautiful. Uh, Maybe maybe you're moved to tears by something that's entirely ordinary. These are ways that God is drawing your attention to Himself. He presents you with something that appears to not belong within the regular order of things. And, and this is what happens with Moses, a bush that burns and it's not consumed. Um, and, and he turns aside. And, and if, we're, if you're willing to turn aside, what, what does Moses find there? He, he hears his name called out. And this is just a foundational truth of the scripture. The Bible presents us with a God who initiates, a God who invites us to respond to them, him. And so, so just think about what that means for a moment. I, I, that, that, I hope, is a foundational thing that our children hear in their Sunday schools every Sunday. Uh, God invites. God pursues. God is the one who, who initiates. But, but if that's true, if God is alive and he's pursuing us and he's inviting to us to himself, if he's calling us by name, then that means that God is personal. That means that sal- his salvation for us is personal. It, it means that, it, in a real sense, reality itself is personal. God is inviting us to himself. So I, I just just offer that. Do you believe that that is who God is? God is one who is inviting you to himself. He's calling you by name. Um, th- there was a time in the church where uh, it, there was a lot of conversation about sort of uh, the, the threat of athe- atheism. Um, it felt like the there was a a stream of of atheist thought that was going to sort of undermine the church and and take take us all down. Um, Does this resonate with anybody? I mean, maybe it still is for you. But but certainly the rise of it has not kind of ascended in the way that I think many people thought. Um, I think we thought, well, as technology gets better and as as we advance in civilization, the need for God will will decrease. But but actually what, what has happened instead is that um, athe- atheism, the main, uh, the Richard Dawkins of the world, are actually sort of diminished as as sort of the, these people we hold up. And it's, there's more, what you probably may experience in America today is there's just more of a variety of spirituality. It just kind of comes in different flavors. Um, there's just, there's there's not a lack of belief in spiritual things. It's just, there's just a vast variety of it. Um, and so, so the reason I, I suggest that to you is that it's more likely that, that what's assaulting your understanding of who God is, according to the scriptures, is that you've just sort of changed and malformed the way that you think about who God is. And it's likely something like he's sort of distant and sometimes he intervenes. Thank you, God, that I made that, that, that yellow light. right? And then, and then sometimes he pulls back. Um, and sometimes he'll, he'll give you a little bit of something here to remind you that he loves you. And then the rest of the time, he's sort of over here busy. And so some level or another, you have probably formed in your heart and mind an idea of God as sort of this, like, distracted character who's got a lot going on, but every now and then he'll throw you a bone, especially if you come to church, you know? And so I, that's sort of in the stew of American spirituality. We're just all sort of making it up as we go along. And what, the, what this passage reminds us of is the picture of who God is, is he's a God who invites you to himself. He is personal. He wants to know you, and he wants you to know him. He's not messing around. He's not occasionally interested in you. He invites you to himself. He initiates. So that's the first aspect of that how personal our salvation is. There's an invitation from God. He calls us by name. The second thing um, we see is, is there's knowledge involved. So it's not just an invitation, but knowledge. Um, what happens when Moses responds to God's invitation? Uh, he enters God's presence. Uh, the ground that he stands on is declared holy. And, uh, and, and immediately there's a sense in which Moses, he can come close, but not too close. Uh, he has to take off his shoes. There's, there's holy ground there. Um, and, and what happens, though, right away, he enters God's presence, and what immediately begins to happen? Um, right away, God begins to tell about himself, uh, which should strike you. It, you know, if, if I met you for the first time and I just immediately began to tell you who my, all my generations of my family and the things I had done throughout my whole life— That would be a little strange. It would strike you as that person really wants me to know about them, right? Uh, This is what God is doing. He immediately begins. There's no niceties. He's not asking how Moses' day was. He he immediately begins to tell of himself. Uh, And and the first thing, of course, he tells him is, my holiness is so awesome, you need to to not come too close. It's It's too brilliant. It's too wonderful. It's dangerous for you to come close. Um, And yet, on the other hand, so he tells him, hey, hold on. This is what you need to know about me. But then he also, what's the second thing he tells him? He he says, verse 6, he says, I'm also, also here's what you need to know about me. I'm the God of your father. And I'm the God of your forefathers. In, In other words, I know you and I know everything about your own personal story. Don't come too close. I am too holy. And and at the same time, I know you. I know everything about you. I know your father. I know your father's father. I know your aunts and uncles. I know all your cousins. I know everything there is to know about you. That's who I am. Then, Then he continues. He says, he's also then, what does he say? He's the God who sees and hears and knows all of the crying out, all of the pain of thousands of people, speaking prayers in their hearts. Uh, he sees it all. He hears it all. He knows it all, right? The NIV is a little weak. It says, like, he's concerned about it. It's more like he knows. He's in it. He knows all about it. He knows it all intimately, and at the same time, he's, he's omniscient, and at the same time, he's the God who's going to come down and rescue, to come into a lowly bush to present himself to a lowly shepherd on the far side of the wilderness. And then finally, the last thing he tells of Moses, um, God responds, so Moses, we'll, we'll get to his assignment in a minute. Uh, God tells him, you're going to go do this thing now, Moses. And, um, and, and he responds with disbelief. He says, um, he says who, who am I to do this? Uh, and then what, is, what does God tell him? He says, I will be with you. The God who is with, he's Emmanuel. The God who descends should in some ways feel like a contradiction in terms. He is the God who is with. Almighty, powerful, all-knowing, beginning and end, Alpha and Omega, and I am the God who is with you, Moses. I will not leave you. So 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 the principle here if you're following with me what's what do we learn about salvation about how it works um, you know you're in the presence of God when you grow in your knowledge of who he is. Uh, to know him is to know he is present so so how do I know that uh You know, how do I know that I'm responding to God's invitation in my life? How do I know that His salvation is at work in me? Uh, Here's how you know the experience of His presence deepens your knowledge of who He is. In His presence, you know more about Him. So, and think about why this is true. Um, As you grow in the knowledge of who God is, you'll long to to hear his, His invitation to you, you'll long to be in His presence. Um, And likewise, the more that you're in his presence, um, the more you'll want to know about him. Uh, So this is not something so mysterious. It's actually the way that our relationships work. Um, I'm presently living in a house with nine other wonderful people. Um, We have ages 2 to 72, I believe, in the house. It's a glorious time. Um, And and so we're experiencing this, three families together. um, There's this shared and, and with it, there's presence together in the same house, and there's knowledge of each other that comes with that. Uh, you know, that, that should come with like a little, there's like a nervous chuckle, right? Like community life together. We, we're together all the time, and we know about each other, right? All the time. We, we know what's going on in our lives. Um, and and, and th- this is truly what happens when we spend time with each other, our knowledge of one another dictates the degree to which we want to be in each other's presence. You follow me with that? The more I know about the people in my life, that dictates whether or not I want to spend time with them or not. Right? Um, being in each other's presence provides us with the knowledge of each other. And it's and it's 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 all good, by the way. I don't mean to paint a bad picture. That's the impression you're getting. Um, the, the, the scriptures don't know of a knowledge of God that separates us from his presence. This is why um, John, Jesus in his prayer in John 17, he says, now this is eternal life that may they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Um, so so you, you may be feeling like... Um, where does all this take me, this, this knowledge and this presence? Uh, you, you just excuse, excuse me for a moment. I'm, I'm going to do a very preacher thing. I'm going to remind you of the importance of reading Scripture and prayer. Now, I, immediately I'll say, why are you so reluctant to do that? Uh, and I, I hope you're not offended by that, but the, but the church is kind of the gathering of people who are aware enough of prayer and Scripture to be reluctant about it, right? <laughs> Hello, somebody. Anybody with me on that? Yeah, we, we we know about it. We know we know it's good for us, and yet and yet it's hard. It, it, it we're reluctant at times to take it on. Um, so so why is that? Uh, well, so uh, I'll, I'll just suggest to you one one reason. When when we when Moses hears his name called out, what does he say in response? He says, "Here I am." Moses, for all his faults, he responds to the call of God by saying, "Here I am." He lets his guard down a little bit. Um, and so, so salvation invites you into God's presence, a, a response before God that says, here I am. And so that means that in both prayer and in the word, in both his presence and the knowledge of him, we, we're, we risk exposure to God. You're invited to say before God, here I am. Uh, we find ourselves in his presence reading the word in prayer, in silence before him, speaking to him, we find that we, we find what's true about us, that, that we actually do need a God who promises to be with us. I can't, I can't do daily life on my own. We find we're exposed in that we, we know that the sin in my life, I, I actually do need deliverance from it, and I cannot continue to try to fight it myself. When we come to prayer and the Word, when we come into His presence and the knowledge of Him, we find out that, that you are actually too weak to carry on another day without His grace. You find that, um, that you actually don't know how to have hope in the midst of being on the far side of the wilderness. And so, so what am I saying? Your, your reluctance to pray, your reluctance to read the Word, it may be about your time management, uh, it, it may be that you're bored. It may be that you just need some help in knowing how to do it, but it may also be that at a deeper level, uh, a God who's personal, a God who wants to draw near, is actually deeply frightening for you because because you're invited to say before him, here I am. That's what prayer, that's what scripture invites you to do. You're exposed before God. Uh, in, In our household of 10 at the moment, Uh, We learn of each other, but we're also exposed for who we are before one another. There's no cleaning up the morning situation. You come down the stairs, here I am, right? This this is life with God, and this is is a personal salvation. We're exposed before him. God, God invites us into his presence to know him, to know of his of who he is. Um, It's time spent with him. And and this is the last point. Time spent with the Lord, um, it forms us. It shapes us. uh, And and it brings us to worship. So our our final point uh, that we want to look at. God calls Moses. Um, He invites him into his presence. He reveals who he is. Um, All seems to be going well. Um, But what happens next is actually a bit of a shock to Moses. Uh, God says, so now. He says, this is who I am. This is what I'm about to do. And then he says, therefore, because of who I am, uh, because I've seen and I've heard and I know the pain and suffering of of my people, he says, therefore, I am sending you on my behalf. I I mean, to me, it's it's a little bit of a bait and switch by God, right? Like, it's a little bit of like, hey, I'm awesome, I'm wonderful, I'm all powerful, I see the problem, I'm going to deal with it, and you are going to be the one. And that's, that's, that's what we hear from Moses. He says, who am I that I should go? Um, and probably maybe in Moses, there's still a little bit of like that shame of failure in the past, right? Um, I know that I can't do this. And God's reply, here's what you need to know. I am with you. God, uh, the call of God, it invites us into his presence so we can learn of who he is. And learning who he is, it sends us out for his purposes. So, so just notice um, salvation does not just provide us with a spiritual experience. Uh, God's salvation involves our, our whole it involves being saved in such a way that we're involved in His work of bringing salvation to the world. Um, so and this is, a, this is a final just critical part to get, because um, there's a script sometimes we follow, brothers and sisters, Christians. Um, and if you're not a believer, uh, just just follow with me here. What what the message of, of salvation is not um, God saves your soul. And, and because your soul is saved and you're going to heaven, um, you, you've got to sort of live right now until you get to heaven. Uh, there's sort of like a quid pro quo, right? God does something for you. So use your body, your heart, and mind for good things now um, because you're going to heaven later. Um, it, there's a kernel of truth in there. Um, but, but God, the, the salvation is for your, your whole being. God saves all of you. He, he's concerned with every part of you, your, your heart, your mind, your soul, your mind, your soul, your strength. God is concerned with, with saving all of it, all of your members. Um, so So that's why, Salvation for the Israelites is not just that they would be free from uh, Pharaoh's oppression of their bodies, um, sort of a salvation of a economy or labor, um, but it's so that they would know and trust God um, with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. And, and likewise, it's not, the salvation of the Israelites is not just deliverance from forgetting who God is. Uh, sort of a spiritual salvation, um, rescuing them from physical oppression so that their bodies and minds might be given... Um, given to, to worship God. Um, I'm sorry, to, 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 they're still worshiping Pharaoh, but, but in their hearts, they're, they're worshiping God. No, no, it's, it's both. God saves them wholly, completely. Heart, mind, soul, and strength to be set upon the purposes of God. This is what um, Paul says in Romans 6. Uh, he says, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus Your whole self is saved so that you can worship, so that you can offer up all your members to God. And and that doesn't mean just singing here on a Sunday morning, although that is important. Uh, It doesn't mean just what happens here at the service. God desires that all your physical gifts are put to his purposes to build and create and make meaning in the world for his glory. So if you're here today and you're you're a teacher, You're a financial controller. You're an architect. You run human resources. You are a stay at home parent. Uh, You're a musician. God is concerned with every part. You're a student, with using every part of who you are and the gifts you have for his glory. Doing them excellently, doing them well for his glory. This is why Moses will be told to pick up his staff. As an instrument of salvation, I invite the the worship team to come forward. Let's just think about what we've heard about the, this personal salvation. Um, God calls you by name. He desires for you to be in His presence so that you can know Him and know yourself. And He desires that for He desires that for you because that is how you're saved out of bondage into freedom. Um, so, so think about that. What, what do you call it when you long to be in someone's presence and long to, to know them? That, that's the that's description of love, isn't it? Your, your love for God will wane, brothers and sisters. Your love for God, you will flee from him. You will seek to control him. You will, you will try to avoid his purposes for you. But the good news of the gospel is that God's love for you never wanes. And that because of Jesus Christ's life, death, and resurrection, and the gift of his spirit, he will never leave you. He will always be present with you. God's love will not depart from you, even when yours does. God says, I am with you, and he invites you to say in response, here I am, here I am. Let me pray for us. Lord, we, we thank you, Lord, that, um, that you are a God who brings, who is personal with us. You call us by name. You invite us into your presence. You invite us not to just hold head knowledge about you, that's separate from your presence. And likewise, you invite us not just to a presence that knows nothing of who you are, but you give us both. You draw us to yourself. And even, Lord, when we stumble and when we run from you, you are never turning away from us. You are always with us. We thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.